Welcome back to another episode of the Go Within podcast. My name is Yasmin and super happy to be here today with you sharing a really beautiful podcast episode. Today I sit down with a dear friend of mine, Dara, and this is a really deep conversation. We we dive a lot into Dara's own journey, her own struggles, but we we really speak about femininity, what it means to be a woman, what it means to discover ourselves and deal with our shadows and our light. And I think it's a really beautiful topic because it's something that even though we are individuals, we are also part of different groups and different groups have struggles in common. And when we can really understand those dynamics, they can really help us as individuals and they can also help us be more compassionate to others who might be experiencing similar things to us. So as always, thank you for listening. You know, these podcasts, they mean a lot to me. I don't do them too often, but when I do do them, they are really telling stories that I believe in and that I think when listened to will really inspire you and support you along your own inner journey, which I really believe is one of the most important things we can do. Not only is it the purpose of our life to really self-actualize and, and realize who we really are, um, but it's also a gift to the wider world because when we are more in touch with our deepest essence, I believe we're usually happier, kinder and much better functioning members of uh, quite a mad society that we live in. Just a reminder also, a quick uh, note that this podcast is brought to you by Sanya. This is a part of my mission at Sanya to help people go within, to help people find their real selves, whether that's through the physical body, through all the different body treatments that we do, whether it's through the mind, learning how to practice meditation, yoga, managing your stress, or whether it's even through your soul, (laughs) spending those quiet moments with yourself to really reflect on what matters to you and what you want to create in this world. So if uh, any of that sounds good to you and you want to be part of this community, you can visit our website and there you'll find all of the information about what we do and how you can be part of our family there. So without further ado, <laughs> here is my lovely chat with Dara. So welcome everyone to another episode of the Go Within podcast. Today I'm here with Dara. Thank you so much, Dara, mm, for this you. very long overdue <laughs> podcast. <laughs> We're reunited on this rock, which you visit us fleetingly nowadays. <laughs> a little bit less frequently, yes. Well, I'm, I'm really happy to get the chance to sit down. I always say on this podcast that finding guests who are on a very reflective inner journey is always a challenge. <laughs> it's not something that we come to so naturally. It's something that we had to discover. And luckily along the way, we got gifted some moments that <laughs> pull that curtain back. So the aim of this is to, of these kind of conversations is really to inspire people by just sharing what we've been through. And and usually we can so relate to each other's struggles and find some, some hope and inspiration there. So even though I've actually known you for so many years, I don't really know the details of, (laughs) you know, how you first came to go within, what your life was like before, some of the the really huge changes that you went through. So I'd really love to start there. Mm -hmm. What was Dara like before she started going within? (laughs) Yeah, what was I like before? I actually remember that I always had 
a very deep connection to nature that was nurtured by my mother very much from the beginning and my mother is a very free spirit pretty much grew up in eastern Germany so in the time of um, Soviet Union being occupying Germany and uh, that was a very difficult time for free spirits because you couldn't really get out of the borders but my mom never really cared about this old she was like a little butterfly so she kept teaching me through going in the forest telling me all the things that I could eat and showing me this awe so I would grow up with this awe for nature and walk around and say oh wow always just having this this deep connection and sometimes wondering how people have conversations or like sometimes I would in school it would happen <laughs> that people would say why don't you listen and I didn't understand what that means like how can somebody not listen when somebody else talks it was so intrinsic so deep for me and only actually now many many years later I've realized that this was a very special gift that I had as a kid to know that listening is is a form of presence that I had just just was with me but I do feel, and of course, I'm not saying I, I got born enlightened or anything, but I had this very beautiful upbringing that was mostly nurtured by my parents in a very beautiful way. But I felt, and I was just reflecting upon this before we started, that my deep connection to music, which was very much there from the beginning, um, helped me to go within all through my life because what I realized was that my voice especially as a singer and later a singer-songwriter would would so reflect how I feel inside so it so absolutely clearly showed that everything is connected that my body is not just a machine that's walking around and carrying my head around but actually when I wasn't feeling well my voice wasn't sounding the way I wanted it or my creativity was <laughs> my creativity wasn't flowing and all these things were so intrinsically connected so through also my mother's knowledge and wisdom around food and lifestyle and and always being very curious about new things I started to learn a lot about actually a lifestyle that we're living now very early on so basically in my teenage years my mother was educating herself and me a lot around food and nourishment and then later on also um, that was quite interesting so in my teenage years I had a lot of encounters with occult occultistic phenomena so my mother because she was like so curious she went out and explored all these um, magical healers in Indonesia and showed me these videos and I walked on fire when I was 13 so I had this incredible journey where she took me and my brother who was like 10 at that point and she was highly pregnant literally eight months pregnant with my sister she took us to this workshop and we we're like yeah cool we go fire walking and then there was this three the three day journey where we learned to like overcome our fear fall backwards and at the end we had this beautiful huge fire ember ember carpet on the floor about two meters by one meter and then it was like yeah okay now we walk over and I was like okay <laughs> and you know maybe gifted with the naivety of of a child but I just walked over it and then my brother and me we made a little um competition out of it who can walk over it more often so he won at the end he walked over it 23 times I walked over it only 20 times I had enough but yeah no burns nothing on my feet so that was such a big opener for me at 13 years old where my whole world shifted once again so dramatically that I was like 
okay, there is much more between heaven and earth that I can understand and that science can explain to me. And at the same time, I was like drinking in all of this newly available knowledge. But at some point, I was also like a teenager. <laughs> and I started missionary, like I wanted to be a missionary for everybody. I wanted to, to tell them the magic of life. And I realized many people weren't actually open to that. And I became a bit of the weirdo in school. And at some point, I was like, maybe I do want to have a teenage year kind of like adolescence and I stopped my interest in that a bit and I actually left it a bit behind the whole idea I, but I took with me and to this day that there's more between heaven and earth than our eyes can see and we can even feel or taste or hear and and so I had a very kind of yeah very open-minded youth and at the same time, I lost it in between. Like after 16, I was so full with all of this knowledge. I was like, I need a break. <laughs> I, my mother had this one of these books that was called something like Order at the Universe. Um, whatever you want, you can get it. And I was so frustrated because it wasn't working for me. And what I didn't understand at that point was obviously I was just building my ego. I wasn't in the process of even understanding what was hindering me to be more in the flow of life. So for those of you who don't know what Ordering at the Universe is, it's like a book that speaks about the fact of how we can sort of get in alignment with, with our soul purpose. And from that, we can literally call in life so it will really support us. And that book back then was maybe a little bit more populistic and it's like, yeah, you just need to order it and then you get it. And I was very frustrated with the fact that I could not get the boyfriend that I wanted. <laughs> so um, I left all of that behind for quite some years. And it was good. It was like a ripening cocoon phase where I needed to go inwards and and kind of process all of that stuff that had opened my, my mind so much that I could hardly actually digest it. So it wasn't until I started to relate in relationships with men at that point that I, that I started to really bring all of this knowledge back into a, a form that I could use it. So very early on, around the time when I started dating and having boyfriends, I realized that every relationship is like a mirror, so incredibly strong that it shows me always something about me. And and I knew I wasn't, like from the first boy, I knew that they weren't like my loves of my life and I would stay with them forever. I didn't have that kind of illusion. I was just so interesting, interested in what this would show me about myself. I had this, in yeah, this um, knowing very much from the beginning so relationship for me became this vehicle of how I could transform myself and really go deep within because I didn't understand or I learned to understand that the other is not the other but it's actually me and most of the time when I get upset with something it's showing me something that I don't really want to own inside of me so um, all of that more spiritual knowledge that I had bit more out there knowledge that I had before came in and became practical in how do I deal with this in life? How do I work with other human beings, not only in relationship, but how can I see everybody as a noble guest and and welcome them as my mirror in life? Like, what is it teaching me? Why am I upset about this person? Why can't I deal uh, with conflict? What 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 is all of this stuff 
what is going on inside of me? <laughs> What's going I have like a huge with 20 when I was studying music and this was one of the big breakthroughs and I, I'll, I'll give you sort of my first 20 whatever years through that was that I studied music and I had my first dark night of the soul like a really dark deep whew, journey into the depth of my core unworthiness I realized that I wasn't as good as everybody was projecting onto me because I had started this this course in singer-songwriter and I was one of the 800 that they had sorted through and I you know was one of the 25 that actually got to engage in this in the study and everybody had seen some sort of projection on me they were seeing some new Britney Spears or this young 19 year old super beautiful girl that could just own the world and I came there and I realized this is not me and this is not what I want to do I want to actually sing songs around the fire you know I just want to play these beautiful songs so I it really cracked me because at the same time I didn't have enough life experience to actually transport into music at that point and I was I was caught in between the idea of who I wanted to be and who I wasn't yet. So I had this deep breakthrough and break first breakdown, then breakthrough <laughs> of uh, walking through a depression. And my father is depressed or he has uh, this up and down phase bipolar phases. And I was very afraid when I experienced that, that I would go that way. And that was actually more of part of the depression than the actual issue that I was going through, the fear of being depressed and being like my father was scaring me more and was driving me deeper into the depression than um, the actual fact that I, I wasn't as good as I wanted to be or whatever. So at some point I sat and I had done morning pages for a long time at that point, uh, a technique that Julia Cameron describes in her book, The Artist's Way. And that was really what actually took me out of the mud and it felt like I had put my hand onto onto my hair and the head and just pulled myself out of the mud into the light again I started exercising in the morning and and really going within again and realized just what my father has doesn't mean that I have to take that on it was a beautiful big freedom like ah oh, I'm free of that karma I actually am in control not in control but I'm in charge of my decisions so um from that point on, I felt much more empowered, not not so much just um, pulled by that faith of my father that or that, that imprint that is so easily transported from our parents into us and realizing, no, I am the creator of my life, at least in the way that I can make decisions. So if, am I going that way? Do I want to be depressed for the rest of my life? Do I want to go up and down? No, I am going to... Go and live my life in adventure. And I did, to this day. <laughs> there's, there's actually two sparks of inspiration from, from what you shared. And one of them is just like the whole idea of relationship as our teacher. And I think what I've seen for a long time is that we as women have ten specific tendencies that come out in relationship mm -hmm. that keep us stuck and that are a challenge and an opportunity <laughs> for growth. Um, and then there's the other theme, which we can explore also, which will probably come into it too, of that core unworthiness mm -hmm. that at some point in our life, we come face to face with this realization that there is a part of us that doesn't really value or love ourselves. And mm -hmm. it's almost the first step 
on the journey of self-discovery mm-hmm. and services, you have to fall in love with yourself and deal with that unworthiness. So I don't know which one you want to discuss first. <laughs> I think both very, they're probably very connected, obviously, because in relationship, especially for us women, that unworthiness comes out mm-hmm. when we don't get enough attention from our partner. Mm-hmm. Not even just in romantic relationships, but even in relationship with our parents. Yeah. I know we're going to speak about motherhood <laughs> later, but you know we always need attention in relationships mm-hmm. to kind of cover up that unworthiness. Yeah. So I don't know where you want to start unpacking this beautiful package that we have to discuss. (laughs) I think this is really beautiful, the core unworthiness, because it relates really to everything. It's so much at the depth of of the wars that we fight and of the love that we are able to give into the world. And um, especially in relationships, and I do coaching, I, I I, I speak to a lot of people who have relationship issues and who want to work through that and I've, I've seen love grow and I've also seen it destroyed by exactly this, by this topic so many times over and over again and I've worked myself, like I've sharpened or I've, I've um, how do you say when a diamond is polished. polished myself through this work and I really feel that relationship work is one way again just to say one way to go about that and polishing the diamond that's that we all really are and really discovering where we don't love ourselves because that's what's coming up in relationship like the relationship work is not um not really so much about how can we relate but it's about how can i relate to me how why don't i love this part in me because then my partner has to stop reflecting that to me when i let go of my attachment to uh being angry about this and that he will also stop being angry about uh, about whatever we are struggling with so this core unworthiness was was for me very difficult to discover up until the point when i actually had to face it in a situation that broke me like uh, the the study that i did it it's I really wouldn't have wanted any other way, although it was so, so terrifying in that moment. And I know many people say that about their dark nights of the soul, but that has shaped me so deeply and got me face to face with with where I wasn't loving myself, where I had to accept that what I felt was I was capable was not yet here. So the vision that I had inside was only, I was only able to sound, for example, because it was a musical journey at that point, I was only able to sound the way I heard it in my head when I was alone in a room. And as soon as I had to get on stage, it just blew out because my fear of being judged, which is goes back to how I felt core unworthy. I didn't feel I was worthy enough to be loved from other people. I couldn't receive that. So my whole body would cramp. My voice would stop sounding good. And I just my mind would go blank. I would forget lyrics. It was just a nightmare, <laughs> literally. Especially when you come and you have to understand as a me, I came from a school where I was the star. I was the classical singer. Everybody loved. I was always having the solo parts and I was the darling of everybody. And I go to this studying singer-songwriter, like popular music, and everything just broke. My whole concept of life broke down. And it, I'm so grateful for that. Have uh, had to happen and that it happened that way. And then from then on, I, I really started to work on me. That was... 
like I actually had a phase where for two years I wasn't wasn't touching an instrument, which is crazy for me. Basically, my mom said when I came out, when I was born, I started singing. So there was no music for two years. And in those two years, I read a couple of books and got back into the idea. Actually, that was when I came back to Malta. Or when I came to Malta, I started reading some books that I had previously or maybe topics that I had read when I was in my teenage years but this time I read them in English and I was more able to receive the wisdom because the German words were so heavily loaded with my with my experience from my childhood or from my teenage years that I couldn't read them but in English it was like oh yeah so I read the road less traveled and it was like ah oh, it felt like coming home again and I realized that all my relationships had again and again reflected these things to me that I was for one of the things that I was working very strongly with is that conf I was I was a very deep conflict avoider like how many is so important for me so I would sacrifice in relationship myself I would lose myself and I know this is a very big tendency for a lot of women that they just give up their own needs and what they want they don't even say that and it's the same for me like it was very strong tendency to avoid myself in order to make somebody else happy but that is a recipe for disaster <laughs> yes it is <laughs> because whenever we make somebody else happy and end up unhappy in the process nobody's really happy because obviously we're just giving them an illusion we're giving them a a, a false screen of who we are really and that was my big lesson I remember even when I was 20, so young, really, I had this big insight that I was feeling like I am this this empty screen that everybody is projecting onto. And only a couple of years later, I realized I am allowing to be this empty screen. Where is actually my, where is me? Where's my edges? Where's my, where are my boundaries? Boundaries is a very deep topic in terms of um, discovering self-love. Most people think, oh, you know, when you're loving, you just you completely without boundaries and in some way that's true when we're really when we've really gone through the whole process boundaries in some way disappear again but through the way like to get there boundaries have to be really learned we have to learn no this is no i'm having to say no this is my space and i need to safeguard my needs my wishes i need to express them and then we'll see who loves me in that process if i love me then lots of people will and it, it doesn't really matter anyway. Yeah, I think that's really, you said it perfectly. I have thought a lot about this boundaries thing mm -hmm. because I come from the background of yoga and in yoga tradition, there's this concept of seva where you always give yeah. selflessly. And of course, this sort of idea of boundaries can feel like it conflicts with that sometimes. But what I came to realize through my own you know, experiences and mistakes <laughs> is that, yes, at some point we have to break our boundaries, but if we've never built them in the first place, then we have nothing to break down. And and we end up not really giving truly, mm -hmm. because it's, as you said, it's not an authentic self that we are really giving. Mm -hmm. And I think this is something really interesting because a lot of people come to spirituality and they want to sort of skip that stage of creating healthy boundaries and we just want to go to breaking our boundaries. but. Yes, exactly. As you said, so many women, we struggle with this idea of giving too much. And yes, giving is good, but there needs to be a real discernment into the real authenticity of why we are giving. Because if you're giving 
out of some expectation of what you're going to get and you're not really giving, Mm -hmm. you're taking. (laughs) But we like to live in this illusion that we're giving even though we're not. What what would you say to someone? And probably some people are listening to this and thinking, okay, I'm in a relationship and I get upset really easily if my partner doesn't call me every day or if my friends don't invite me to the party that they're going to or Mm -hmm. whatever. What would you say to someone who's in that situation where they can see that their attachments and their patterns are creating suffering and harming their relationships with the people they care about? Mm, Yeah, expectations. That's a difficult one in all relationships. And it goes back to the boundaries as well. In some way, it's of course okay to have expectations. We, When we live intimately with friends or family or, or our partners, we it's it's almost unavoidable to completely drop all of your expectations. I've tried, trust me. <laughs> it's not so easy. But we always, like for me, it's it's I always have one simple question that I always ask everywhere in my life, really. And it's not only relationship, but mostly when something upsets me, I ask myself why. Why does that hurt me right now? Where does that go back to? What is the pain that I'm reliving right now that wants to come to the surface that I have not felt before? So in the case of somebody not being invited to a party and that really upsetting them, it's like, where in your life have you been excluded and didn't allow yourself to feel the pain? Because what happens when we are children is that something like this happens. Maybe your friends haven't invited you to a birthday party when you were younger, you know, seven, eight. And and you felt really painful, but nobody was there to soothe you. And maybe your father or your mom said, ah, stop crying or, you know, this is over. And so you shut down your emotions and you pushed it all back into your gut, into your belly, into your hips. And then it gets stored there for years, for decades sometimes. And you keep reliving this thing that somebody doesn't invite you. Maybe they forgot. Maybe they're actually giving you a gift. This is my big reframe. So I'm just going to... like. So, bring the, this back to circle but the moment you realize that anything that happens is a mirror and it happens to you for you to feel the feeling that was originally not allowed at some point in your life mostly in your first seven years maybe a little bit later where you got programmed because that's what happens when we are children first seven years program us deeply because our our brain is in the in in off in alpha and the, the even slower brain states, which is like you're dreaming, but you're walking. You're like you're actually walking through life, but you're dreaming. So everything gets just pushed onto your subconscious. So because of the mechanisms of the body and the de- uh, underdevelopment of the child brain, it doesn't allow you to fully, fully process these emotions. And then later on, we're repeating, repeating, repeating these moments, especially in relationships <laughs> because those are oh, now I'm making a really big circle but in relationship your partner has the same area occupies the same area in your brain as your parents yeah it's almost the same words almost the same letters as well partner and parents and so that part fires up every time you got injured in some way by your parents and they did that lovingly sometimes not knowingly it's like you don't have to you know you don't have to have really bad traumatic 
parents to have an in in yeah to have an insult or to have trauma in your childhood we all had childhood and we're all traumatized in some way many traumas lead up to that so because the brain is not capable of of processing all of that later on it's really beautiful actually it's a beautiful concept of nature gives us the opportunity to relive these moments obviously not completely the same but it gives you this moment like ah you feel uninvited what can you do about that? Maybe you need to feel that pain again. Maybe you need to look into that little child in you and just ask it what it actually needed back then. It maybe needed a hug and told, I love you. You're, it's okay. We don't actually, we're, you know, you and me, your little child and me, we're, we're totally enough right now. And let's just go outside and have a swim in the sea and, and feel into the silence of our being because there's so much that we can discover in silence and in in the in the quietness of our own body so we don't actually always need to be with people (laughs) to realize anything about ourselves and it's probably the most deepest place anyway to discover ourselves because most of our minds are very loud so we don't hear so much but um yeah i always always whenever something is upsetting me at least after a while when i get out of the (laughs) initial charge of the moment so this is also one of my rules i never act out of an impulse when I feel like oh, I need to write this now I need to I need to call them when I have that feeling that I feel reactive I feel like Ugh. I just take a breath and I put the phone aside I, I don't allow myself to write any email put the phone down <laughs> that is exactly. a good advice <laughs> just don't do anything with it. just feel it feel it for a moment feel what's actually going on what is the core feeling that you're fighting here right now, that you don't want to feel because all your reactiveness is just there to cover up that feeling, that initial debris basically that's been covered, that's covered your heart. And now we can feel it and then it can melt and the heart can come out a bit more and (gasps) spread more love. And then these moments will not, will stop repeating themselves. So whenever there's patterns in life, you damn sure that there's something <laughs> keeping you to relive a feeling, to just let it go, to just like drink it like water and let it go. You're not keeping your pee in. Nobody does, but somehow emotionally we do. We keep a lot of emotional poop inside of us. I always joke with a friend of mine and say like we have emotional constipation. <laughs> yes, exactly. And I think that's probably 98% of the population that has emotional constipation. Yes. It's it's a serious it's issue. It's a real problem. <laughs> <laughs> and you can't go to the pharmacy to just get a diuretic. It really has to be done with silence and feeling inside and letting those those emotions just be there for a moment. They, the great thing about emotions, they last about 90 th- seconds. Then they're gone. Unless you cling. Unless you <laughs> resist them and then they last forever. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm curious how, obviously, you've become a mother. Mm-hmm. Um, how old is Maya now? She's seven now. She's seven. So you became a mother seven years ago. We have this idea, obviously, that we inherit our patterns and mm-hmm. our issues from our early traumas with our parents. You're now at the other side of that, where you're <laughs> exactly. the one creating trauma also. How does that... Is that easy? Because I imagine... Probably you you carry this quite lightly, but I imagine for a lot of women who are mothers, it's, it's kind of hard to accept when they are the one sort of giving the trauma. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you hold that? And do you feel like do you meet other mothers who sort of resist that idea? Yeah, that's a beautiful question. I love that. And I've contemplated this a lot, actually, in in one way or another. And I realized, of course, along this way that I, I have already traumatized her 
definitely has happened. I even, because I teach this stuff and I know what happens in a child when, for example, the child suppresses her emotions, she closes the eyes, she closes her mouth, the whole body starts to quiver, the, sh the breath goes shallow. That's what kids do when they cannot allow their emotions to come out. And I had a very difficult time with Maya, mostly in her first three years because she was traumatized by the birth experience and um, she had a snapped cord so her cord uh, basically broke when she came out of uh, out of me and um, that was a very very shocking very dangerous moment and afterwards she was kind of highly sensitive and, and she was a, what they call a hiney child or a crybaby from the more judgmental point of view <laughs> um, <laughs> so um, in that moment already when I gave birth to her and I had all this idea of how consciously I would bring her to this world and how amazing I, I did actually give uh, birth at home so I had half of the time it was a beautiful experience half of the time it was very destructive but at the end she was there and then I realized now I have this baby and I'm already there's already trauma that happened just right at birth and I know how impactful that is from all the research and the study that I've read so the birth field is very important for a child's life um, but before because I knew that I was working with her together with her for the first 13 months for sure so to the point that I was almost not there anymore <laughs> like I dissolved to the fact that I was in service to this child which is one of the great lessons of parenthood we really learn to be greater than ourselves and be there for another absolutely out of love which is a beautiful initiation but back to the question so I, I worked with her I, I completely held her trauma I completely held her um, sitting on a ball soothing her nervous system because that's all she needed and then throughout the, the older she get, got the more she started to become this amazing vibrant being that is very expressive and has mostly dropped that trauma but it was because of the work that we did so there's some pieces that we can do as we go along and um, there are other pieces in when we traumatize our kids that probably they have to figure out later on in life and we just have to give them that space and I also have to honor the fact that I play a part in in creating that trauma for her also to have a certain life path that will teach her what she needs to learn so and this is a part the thing that I forgot to actually add to the other th to, to the part that I spoke before just before this question that there is this idea of radical responsibility, like when I really take radical responsibility that everything that happens to me is because it is good for me, even though I might judge it as not good, then everything becomes light. Then everybody who challenges me becomes a gift and a noble guest. He's actually or she is showing me something that I need to learn. And thank you so much for being a bastard to me because, wow, I can learn to stand in my anger. Wow, I can learn to be generous with my heart. Wow, I can, be, I can learn to expand, although I wanna, all I want to do is contract. That's a beautiful lesson that when we look at it this way, it makes it really light, doesn't it? It's like, oh yeah, okay, actually, now I don't need to contract. It's like, like, oh, this is my gym. I'm learning to be open and to break open again and again and again because I get all of these people as gifts in my life. And the same is with parenthood. Parenthood is extremely strenuous. It's one of the hardest jobs, as we spoke before, especially motherhood or fatherhood. One of the hardest jobs that are not acknowledged on this planet. And we we give so much to this to this little being and 
they they give us so much of course i mean my daughter has given me endless amounts of love back but taking radical responsibility for the fact that i am her mother that she chose me to be her mother and that also what i am doing to her even in traumatic in the traumatic sense of the way is for her to learn something that she will need to learn later on and i think it's really important that we as parents don't contract a lot around this i was like i can't i can't traumatize my kid you will it's like <laughs> literally there's no question about it that you will that there will be moments where you're exhausted where you're just like please stop <laughs> Just stop saying anything. I mean, right even now. love can traumatize kids. Of course, Sometimes yes. too much love can be a trauma too. <laughs> yes. I mean, in a way, it's all about not taking things personally, right? Like if you're too attacked, like we take ourselves so seriously. Mm-hmm. So then, if yes. you take everything so seriously, then our every mistake is a personal reflection on our exactly. value as a parent and as a human being, and mm-hmm. everything gets a lot heavier and more dense. Whereas if we can just see ourselves as playing a function for that child Mm -hmm. without attaching too much to the good and bad of it all Mm -hmm. i guess it would make things a lot easier and what a beautiful practice that is (laughs) well and i'm not saying that i manage that all the time i've had my moments where i said i'm a bad mother which is probably something that you can hear out of every single parent's mouth at some point in their life where they where they just realize i'm i'm not giving this child enough attention i'm missing the point all of this comes at some point and it's good. We also need to look at these these moments where we are reflecting upon us. Like, am I doing the right thing with this child right now? Am I really being present? And um, that, but we don't, I'm like to take this too personally or to, to, as you said, to take it too seriously is then damaging. It's like a damaging spiral that goes downwards even more. So it's very, very important that it's, yeah, we're just here. Kids are not ours. My daughter is not mine. She's just I love I love the image from I think Gibran says it in his book Khalil Gibran that we the child is the arrow and we're just the bow. We're just giving them the spring into life and they will always go further than we will. So we can just watch through their eyes. We can watch through their eyes the world how it transforms and we will never understand it the way they do so for me my daughter always from the beginning has been my great one of my greatest teachers and it's I would say although I've always been an advocate of saying relationship is my way of growing like intimate relationships but I feel that my relationship to my daughter is even more guru-like because with a relationship you always have kind of the option you can you have the option to just leave you know it's like it's over okay i'll find somebody else with a child of course you can leave that child but it, that would mean like my heart is not capable of that decision not any anywhere in not in this lifetime at least so you don't just have that opportunity did, to walk leave away the child you're still the mother right <laughs> you like, can't even really if you're on it. the other side of the world exactly so yeah as i just was 7 months away from my daughter and my heart was bleeding so much in that time due to, due to the lockdown and being caught in bali but with a child she was screaming when she was angry when she just wants things her way when i'm getting challenged by her i just can't just walk away or even 
think I can have an intellectual conversation with her about anything that's going on for her right now. I just have to accept that she's feeling this way. And I can help her express her feelings. I can help her say, okay, I, I guess you're angry and that's cool. And do you want a hug or you want to just be alone? So I give her options. I give her ways to express and, and strengthen her emotional vocabulary. So then later when she's going through these emotions, she can express them because that really helps a child. But I'm no longer in the, or I'm not in the process of trying to figure things out with her in that moment, which really is amazing groundwork <laughs> when you do retreats like I do, where you have to work with people's inner children all the time. So you don't try to have an intellectual conversation with them, what, what's going on right now or why they are, you know, maybe freaking out or why so much sadness is coming out. You just have to give them space. So as a parent, as a conscious parent, I think we really learn to just hold space for whatever's going on in that little being and then you sit and you give them space and you smile or you give them a hug and just offer love all the time stretch that love muscle because it's hard sometimes i literally didn't want to open it's but i manage every time <laughs> so to someone who's listening and you use that term conscious parenting mm -hmm. what what is conscious parenting to someone who knows nothing about it i guess at the basis it would be the same realization that I've spoken about in the whole podcast that your relationship to your child and everything that that child is bringing up to for you is a mirror. So a child more than anything reflects to you what's going on for you. And there's a beautiful saying as well for those who are in relationship and have kids that and kids that maybe are acting out or you don't understand what's happening with them, that kids, the children usually express what the parents suppress so if you have issues going on in your relationship and you're not talking about it or there's just something in your field your your kids will pick this up energetically and express they might be angry they might hurt themselves they might do weird things to their sisters and or siblings or bad things or even be mean to them because actually there's a there's there's some some dark energy between the partners, which happens, of course, in relationship, and then the, the, the kids just start to project that onto each other. So um, conscious parenting for me is, is literally to realize that nothing in your kids is ever really wrong. It's probably just something wrong with you if you <laughs> have, have difficult kids. And um, it is, a, for me, it is a, a child-based education, meaning I look at my kid and I try to find the ways to most inspire her and to help her build skill sets for life that will really encourage her to live on this on this earth meaning I help her to build emotional voc vocabulary which I just spoke about I help her to be interested in all sorts of topics like what she loves is um, how to clear the earth of rubbish and you know obviously things that I care about but I speak to her as an equal and I've always have, and all my friends have. That's why she's she's not like a little child. Every, many people say she's very mature because she's she's gotten to realize that there's no difference between a child and an adult. She's just one of us, and she's treated that way, which is very beautiful. So that's my definition. I don't know if that's anybody else's, but consciousness, bringing consciousness to the parenting, bringing light and awareness to an act that we all do and think we are educated to do but nobody is like 
somehow it's the weirdest thing for me on this planet that we have to make a license to learn how to drive a car <laughs> but we can just have kids and you know shove them into the world and and there's not much around that i mean there are books of course once you're interested but pretty much everybody can just have kids and we can fuck them up as what oscar wilde yes. yeah one of oscar wilde's famous quotes <laughs> what is it say uh, it just it's a very simple one-liner parents they they fuck us up they do <laughs> sorry for the language <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, Oscar Wilde is allowed to do that once yeah, in a while. Yeah. But yeah, so we we have so much responsibility on our shoulders as parents and we can take it lightly, we can take it beautifully. It's just the simple act of shifting our perception that we are just here to have some kids and love them. No, we are here to really bring a lot of light into, like awareness, what I mean when I mean light is awareness into the interactions Everything that's happening in our field is is a message in some way or another. And then with the question, why is this happening to me? You can pretty much uncover most of your life and, and dive to the depth of what's hindering the, the flourishing or maybe why everything is beautiful in this moment <laughs> as well. I think that when you ask why, mm -hmm. you're asking it from a very different place to yeah. where a lot of people ask why because <laughs> yes a lot of people ask why and they find the answer it's that one's fault or it's the government's fault or years of asking it from a very reflective place and a place of responsibility of okay where can i find my peace where, where can is my me? control in this exactly. where is my part of this and yeah absolutely and this is very important <laughs> because it's not for blaming at all it's really just a, 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 um, a question that i use in order to go deep deep inside and every time I, I figure out something there I find a little piece and it doesn't even have to be big sometimes it's a small little piece that just ah it, it's pop it's like it pops the bubble of my illusion of blame or my illusion that, of uh, victim just can't quite <laughs> can't <laughs> hold on no and it, it's really ra taking radical responsibility for everything that happens in our lives just that realization shifted so much for me and then when we really realize that there's nothing in this world even at the moment what's going on with where we are and nothing is outside of me it's really just a reflection and i can find the mass murderer inside of me i can find the saint inside of me i can find the whole spectrum in pieces inside of my heart and then we stop blaming each other then we stop ostracizing each other or othering each other like oh this person over there that's not doesn't have my opinion doesn't matter if they don't have my opinion i sometimes don't share my own opinion <laughs> <laughs> you know so we just need to dissolve the divide that we keep within our own hearts to to dissolve the divide that we that we project out into the world and that that's for me the only way to to move into a different state of being into a different society into a different into a society that bases itself on values like love and kindness and generosity and and all of that's values that are important for me that are not very present in our culture but i think they're very present in our human hearts so i i wish that by going deeper within and seeing all of our relationships, whether it's to our kids, to our friends, to our families, and even to, especially to our enemies, if you have them, <laughs> to to dissolve the idea that we're that we're separate, that that y anything I have gone through is not also something that you have gone through in some way or another. Yeah, I mean, beautiful. In fact, you, as you were talking, you were reminding me of something I discussed with Simon earlier. 
that this idea of right and wrong mm. really blocks us from being together. Mm. And me personally, along my spiritual path, I got into situations where I really had to let go of what I think is right and wrong. And as you were talking about, Maya, you, I think you even said it, right? With kids, mm-hmm. there's no right or wrong. No. <laughs> there's just them. You can't reason with them. You can't debate them. You can't, you can't tell them like, oh, you know, I'm right, you're wrong, so stop crying. I it mean, just doesn't work. You, you can, can but, but it's been a sort of parental practice for many hundreds of years, but I think we're starting to do that and it doesn't really yeah. work. Yes. And, and what a beautiful gift in that sense uh-huh. that you have to surrender that rightness to be with your child and what a good training that is to come out into the wider world because it's it's really a skill that we need nowadays mm-hmm. as you were just saying we live in a very divisive time where it's easy to be separate and everyone thinks that they are right and everyone else is wrong and that in itself is just an illusion of our ego and when mm-hmm. you bring that beautiful spiritual growth from that you can get from motherhood and, and, mm-hmm. and take that lessons. If only we can learn those lessons and apply them widely because actually we'd have a much more loving human community. I think so too, yes. And I, I wish to, to see that more consciously, that people, especially parents, um, see their kid as... Um, as their teachers really because when you when we shift that and that doesn't mean anti-authoritarian or anything because that's something that a lot of people maybe associate with conscious parenting i think oh yeah it's like where the kids can do everything and they just you know totally tyrannize the whole uh, yeah tyrannize the whole family no that's not what it's about it's it's really just seeing them as they were so close to source when they came and they're growing into this world and they they really have they have something so special for us even if it's just learning their presence which is so beautiful like observe a child as they play there's nothing more beautiful absolutely engulfed in their world there's nothing else going on completely in their dream world and this is who we are as well we're just dreaming in this world as we are walking around this earth and making all this stuff up but yeah um, I feel there's unfortunately parenting is so exhausting that a lot of people don't have often the capacity to even research or go more deeply into that if they haven't already begun the journey. So like when you haven't started discovering who you are, which I did luckily before, then parenthood and motherhood becomes like another, wow, you know, initiation into life. But if you haven't gone on this and then you are absorbed in the years of years of parenting it's very hard to get really get a grip of how to parent your children a little bit more consciously but doesn't matter when it happens even if it happens when your kids go out of uh, go out of your home and you all of a sudden sit there and you have all of this time to yourself <laughs> it's like oh what am i going to do with this that's also a beautiful time it really doesn't matter it's just the more we come to this light that sits inside of ourselves, this love and realizing where we are not loving ourselves, like discovering all the debris, all the walls that we've built up against love is really for me the journey to in life. Like to go within is like breaking breaking everything away that's keeping me to love. Because when I can love everything, then I'm really free. Absolutely free. <laughs> 
Mm. Not say that I'm married. <laughs> Work in progress, always. <laughs> exactly. You're reminding me, talking about the kids playing when we were at Carl's Wake the other day, a few uh-huh. days ago. Um, one of our friends, Adele, she was singing a song um, into the circle for mm. Carl's. It was a very touching and emotional song. And there were some kids playing on the side. And um, Maria's daughter, just uh, as soon as she finished singing... Her daughter just like ran over to Adair and gave her this huge hug. It was just so cute, you know, that that compassion for her. She just mm. ran over, gave her this hug, and then she just looks at her and goes, if you need me, I'll be over there. <laughs> it, was just, it was just so cute. <laughs> yes, and that spontaneous nature of kids, that expression of their love that flows so easily over into their arms over their lips they just they just want to pour it all over people like as as long as they're not very traumatized kids usually just want to spread their love like wildfire my daughter is just making gifts for everybody all the time and she's <laughs> thinking about what she can give this and how she can cheer up alex now and she's already in you know in all her program um, planning mode of how she can brighten up the day of something and that's another thing that kids teach us so beautifully the the idea of service although they are still very consumed by themselves in their own world but the the innocence of their service for the ones that they love is so beautiful it's like the most it's it goes so deep when you receive a child and and their their willingness to give give you something to just give you this piece of painting or this thing that my my daughter's just recently sold her art in cafes and they bought <laughs> lots of gifts for everybody around her and she was that was part of her sales pitch i think it's like yeah you want to here do you like them at first she showed all her pictures and then they they would go yes of course i like them and then you want to buy one <laughs> i want to i sell my art because i want to buy gifts for this, and this so then usually she would get uh, some money for her paintings and then go and buy a gift it's a very sweet story she's only 7 but she's apparently a young entrepreneur uh, learning from her father very well very well which i was very surprised and um happy to hear but yeah they they have just when we don't educate it out of them they have so much wisdom also already inside. I think this is also just a really nice point to kind of go back to the trauma. Mm-hmm. Because I was thinking as you were saying you know, about how we can live so open-heartedly and so connected. At the same time, I feel like collectively, especially... I mean, obviously we're women, so we can relate more to the, the experience of being a woman in this world. But... <laughs> How I perceive it is that we have had a lot of traumas collectively as women and it's it's really blocking us from being able to be beacons of love mm-hmm. in this world. And I, I don't know, since you work with a lot of women, maybe there's something that you can speak to that. You know, how can we overcome these traumas? What are the things mm-hmm. that are holding us back the most? Yeah, I, f- I feel it's it's thousands of years probably now of the feminine being suppressed in all of us and I want to say that it's also in the men because we are don't always we just we exist in polarity and I although I chose to be in a feminine body I also have masculine aspects and so have uh, women have uh, men have also feminine aspects and I think that aspect of life that yin and yin is a very inward a very reflective a very slow dark phase 
as op in opposition to the yang, which is the active, forward, light kind of side. So we are all at the moment learning to integrate the feminine again, to bring that back, that more intuitive creating, for example. The more, the less I need to go from A to B, but the more to like, oh, I go from A to B, but I go through the fields and I pick some flowers and then I have a little chat with my uncle and then I go to the ferry and the and the the unicorns and then all of a sudden I'm at, I'm at B. So it's a very different way of living that has been very disempowered for most of us and it's mostly dramatic for the f women who are in female bodies because it's basically our, our way of being to just flow with life much more easily and when that gets cut away it's very painful so we've been squashed into this masculine system where we have to achieve and where we have to be the mother the lover the seductress the entrepreneur the whatnot like we have so many roles that we need to play and it's it's almost impossible to feel that to any 100% degree um, in a world where, where we're not really actually integrating our feminine, where we're not nurturing our feminine energy because it's it comes from the earth, it comes from being really deeply connected to ourselves and to our, to our bodies. So for me, my approach to trauma and trauma healing and, and especially connecting to the feminine is a lot through dance and movement. I feel that the feminine expresses itself very beautifully through movement. And we have lost our capacity, but I think we're regaining it at the moment to move again and to find that flow. And of course, everything like when you look when you look in nature, and this is one of the so easy you look at nature and you see how it functions and you know how it actually is supposed to work and everything flows in nature there's never almost never any stillness so there is stillness of course and it's this the beautiful stillness that holds everything but within it's it it's almost stillness in motion yes yeah. exactly and within it the it's like in, the ocean is still but it's moving <laughs> exactly and that is that is the nature so the more we we connect to our feminine nature and start pushing ourselves into these structures that sometimes really are very painful to our feminine bodies. And that's also for men who are working with finding more flow in their life. The more we can, yeah, we can really become beacons of light. But it's not in a masculine way. We have to stop thinking that we can do it through just being really successful. And this will come. And I've seen it over and over in women who actually go that way that they find this rhythm with life which is magic and you cannot make a plan out of that you cannot make a plan out of that, out of that success story you can't push it into oh yeah this is a a b c d d and then you do that and then everything will work no you somehow have to find it within you and you have to find that flow um within your your heart and and really listening to the the inside voice and this is i think also something that comes back when we start to honor our feminine again is that little voice that's always there and all of us know that it's there sometimes it's so quiet or so in the background and all of the other voices are much much louder and i'm not talking about your mind chatter i'm talking about that inner voice that that knows where you can go it knows that this is the right or this is the wrong decision for you right now so the more we strengthen our intuition the more we strengthen our bodies our awareness that we are here right now in this moment that my my body is my temple and then I need to honor it, the more we'll arrive in the moment and then we'll also reveal why we are here 
everything just falls much more into place but it's a journey it's not something that oh yeah now i'm just gonna listen to my body for me it's been the most difficult journey probably in this life is to arrive in my body like i feel i was always two meters above my body not really home in it and so i i was allowing everybody else to come in to my field that's why i didn't know what i want that's why i didn't know where i want to go how to express my desires how to express my feelings how to how to just be me i didn't know because i wasn't inside of me and this i mean more of an energetic level so the more i came into my body through dance and embodiment practices and and really just inhabiting the shell that i've been given and i know it's just a shell it's not who I am, but inhabiting it, it as consciousness takes form in this body and will move through the ages and die at some point. That That's my specific mode of learning how to be, how to be out of trauma, because when I'm in my body, my body can tell me where things, where things are stored and I can loosen them up and then they can go. But if I, if I don't know where that is, if I'm not actually in my body, I don't know it will just keep ruling me from from the cell memory from the deepest depth of my heart it will keep contracting me so that's my my invitation for everybody do some kind of movement qigong yoga dance just come back into into the flow that that then the body is teaching us very naturally beautifully Beautiful. You actually answered my question that I was going to ask <laughs> usually I always end the podcast asking someone what asking my guest what would be one thing they would recommend for people to go within. Mm-hmm. And I'm so glad that you spoke about dance because it's something that is not often mentioned in the mm-hmm. podcast. And I think, as you said, us women particularly, we get very disconnected from our bodies. And something I've realized is because we're so sensitive and we feel so deeply, it can be very overwhelming. And we're often even scared of our own emotions because we feel like it's going to be a tsunami that's going to just carry me away. Yes, and we haven't experienced anybody holding those. Like yeah. Most parents are not, not happy to hold their kids' emotions, so why would anybody else? Yeah. We are really... Yes, it's it's totally. that core trauma again. Like when you, when you're, As parents don't hold your kids' emotions, they will be scared of their own emotions. But And especially with women, we have so much beautiful <laughs> emotion moving through us. If we can learn to be with that, if we can be the space for our own emotions and i feel dance is that way it's a beautiful way to be that container for your own emotions to just take shape dance angry dance sad dance what what does it look like if you're jealous how would you dance i sometimes dance like when i have an issue with my partner and i just give this um for those of you when i have an issue with simon i just recently did that and i knew that if i was trying to talk this through right now it's forget it so I put him on the bed I said sit there I'm gonna dance what's going on so I danced him my pain my sorrow and I looked him in the eyes and at the end we were both just crying next to each other and there was no words needed nothing needed to discuss nothing needed to actually even solve he saw me he saw what was going on and that was that was it (laughs) I mean there was some more afterwards but (laughs) that would explode the the frame of this podcast (laughs) so it it, there's so many ways to express ourselves apart from words apart from the quarrels apart from just going into trauma with our minds but actually going going into that with our bodies and it can flow again yeah and it just comes back to what you know how we started this podcast with you know the issue of the unworthiness Mm -hmm. and 
you know, the way to heal that is really to be with ourselves and learn to express ourselves, learn to feel safe, expressing our own emotion. And then once you feel that unworthiness, it just, it disappears because you just see it's a complete illusion. Exactly. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> good place to, good place good to, wrap, place it to up. wrap it up. Dara, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I usually actually like to get one book recommendation from my guests before wrapping up. Mm. So if you have a good one. So a book that comes to <laughs> mind right now is uh, The Road Less Traveled from Scott A. Peck. And it was was and is a book that I always remember with such fond um, fondness in my heart. And I haven't read it recently, but I've definitely written, read it, I think, three times. Um, and it's just a beautiful reminder of how to walk the path which is the road less traveled. It's not the main path that most of us go on to. And, and how to find silence in our beings there in that space. And I think he's he's writing that really beautiful. So that would be my recommendation. It's oh, a beautiful one. I love that book. And yes, what a great message came out of that recommendation that it is the road less traveled. The go within journey is the road less traveled. It is, it is not without challenge. <laughs> it's not a straight road. It's not a highway. It's a windy country lane, but the views are amazing. And you're going to have moments where you just breathe in that air. You're like, wow, this feels life's beautiful so i think that's a, a great place to finish off thank you everyone for listening and if you are listening to this podcast and you are on your own go within journey i bow my head to you because as dara just said it is the road less traveled but in my opinion it is the biggest gift that we can give ourselves and this world in these times mm-hmm. to be on our own authentic journeys to find ourselves And that would be a gift for our children, our friends, our partners, our countries and our our whole human family. So as you listen to this, maybe you're on a high where you're enjoying the benefits of the Go Within journey. Maybe you're down in the dark night of the soul. But whichever point you are on, just uh, keep going because it is a journey worth taking. Thank you so much to everyone and blessings for your Go Within journey. Thank you, Dora. Mm.